It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Pushing the limits time on a Tuesday. So glad that you could join us. Man, we got some breaking news to talk about. We got some fantastic guests lined up for you today. And we are going to have some fun. We're going to talk about some serious topics, some fun topics. That's really what we do on this show every day. We got C-Win in the house. That's right. Uh, Brian? What's up, Brian? Is your mic on? There we go. It is now. Good. What's up, C-Win? I'm doing well. See when sporting his jacket. As well jack- as you pretty much can be. I'm yeah. liking the shirt he's wearing. He rolls in today wearing a, a Big Bear Jack Nicholas uh, golf shirt. Looking very spiffy today. A little post-Masters action going on. I here. like it. I yeah. like it. By the way, who said that Scheffler was going to win the Masters? I don't remember. Forgot. You, you, we just started the show. He's already glossing himself, Nunchuck. He's already <laughs> pipping himself out. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we're not going to be you talking. You said Scotty Shelf was going to win. I did. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, tragedy that's taken place by a madman in the New York City subway station. Uh, we're going to cover that for you, and we're going to give you uh, the latest information and uh, the hypocrisy once again by one side of the aisle. Chris, we got some great guests lined up for uh, hour number two. This is a guy that I have a lot of respect for. Not only was he uh, uh, a good NBA player, a nice nine-year NBA career, but Jerome Williams, also known as Junkyard Dog, uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He coaches, he works with kids, and and I want to get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs, the Lakers. This is a guy who played in the league for nine years, so he's going to kind of give us a NBA playoff preview, talk about what he's got going on. He was also very involved in the uh, Ice Cube uh, three-on-three thing that he had going on. Uh, so Jerome Williams is going to be joining us coming up in hour number two, preview the NBA playoffs, talk some hoops with uh, the man himself, Jerome Williams. And then later on in the show, I, I wanted to talk to Daniel Grande, Real Kid Boker, VGK superfan Chris, because as you know, he sent me this picture of this guy at the Knights game the other day wearing a shirt that says, uh, Leonard sucks. Uh, Vegas deserves better, something like that. Yeah. And I guess Danny Negreanu got into it with this guy. So he's going to tell us the story on the air of exactly what went down. Uh, and by the way, Daniel's awesome. He's a great interview and uh, such a knowledgeable hockey fan. And always fun to catch up with him. I know Daniel's going to unload on this fan and fans in general that are being brutal, I guess, to Robin Leonard. So we're going to talk about that later on in the show as well. And you had a chance to uh, touch on that yesterday, and I'll uh, unload some thoughts because I have Absolutely. some uh, ideas of my own when it comes to uh, that fan and uh, kind of that perception. Absolutely. Yeah. But, Chris, we got to start with uh, a story that uh, is unfortunate. It's sad, uh, and it's scary. And I'm talking about uh, at least 10 people shot, uh, six others injured after a man wearing a gas mask opened fire and threw a smoke canister aboard a moving New York City subway earlier this morning. Uh, the shooting prompted a massive law enforcement response. Uh, you want to talk about a scary situation, regular everyday people in New York as if they haven't been through enough after 9-11. Uh, just in a, in a normal subway, going to work, whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden this guy shows up with this gas canister uh, and puts on a gas mask and then starts unloading bullets on people. Uh, I can't imagine how 
scary that must have been. We do have a little bit of audio to play for you. These were people in the, I guess, I don't know how you would describe this, the the subway car that is right next to it, right? Right, right behind where the shooting happened. So they're actually in a moving subway, and the, the actual subway car right next to them is where the shooting was taking place. This was in real time, and somebody put their cell phone on. It's really scary and riveting audio. Have a listen to this. And then as the subways stopped, people were scrambling to get out of there. You see uh, video online of injured people on the ground holding their wounds. Uh, The good news is that it doesn't appear as though anyone's going to die, which is a miracle. There are five people right now in critical condition, but stable, critical but stable. So it it appears as though they're going to be okay. The the scary part is this guy, believed to be about 5'5", 180 pounds, is still on the loose. He could be an active shooting situation. He's still on the loose, obviously a deranged individual. And this was what uh, Governor Hochul uh, said. Of course, the governor of New York said in a press conference after the shooting, here's what she had to say. No more mass shootings. No more disrupting lives. No more creating heartbreak for people just trying to live their lives as normal New Yorkers. It has to end. It ends now. And we are sick and tired of reading headlines about crime, whether they're mass shootings or the loss of a teenage girl or a 13-year-old. It has to stop. I'm committing the full resources of our state to fight this surge of crime, this insanity that is seizing our city because we want to get back to normal. NYPD Commissioner Sewell also uh, had some statements, uh, even though there wasn't a lot of specifics. Here's what she had to say a few hours after this shooting took place also. Just before 824 this morning, as a Manhattan-bound N train waited to enter the 36th Street station, an individual on that train donned what appeared to be a gas mask. He then took a canister out of his bag and opened it. The train at that time began to fill with smoke. He then opened fire, striking multiple people on the subway and in the platform. Again, we will describe him as an individual. He is being reported as a male black, approximately five feet, five inches tall with a heavy build. He was wearing a green construction type vest and a hooded sweatshirt. The color is gray. So obviously my thoughts are, are with uh, the people who are injured, uh, their friends, their families. I know must be uh, terrified. And anybody even that was not injured on this subway, I can't imagine how they're going to go back on a subway anytime soon, Chris. But it's, it's amazing to me, Chris, because just yesterday, yesterday, Chris, Joe Biden held a press conference. And it was about gun control because he's struggling to pass anything because so many Republicans out there will not allow him to do so. And by the way, in no way, shape, or form am I saying that if all the laws were passed, that this guy still wouldn't have done what he did. But what I am saying is just yesterday, Joe Biden held a press conference about these ghost guns, guns that these people at home can put together with no serial numbers. Any reasonable human being would say this is a good thing. We should ban ghost guns because if, for starters, if a crime is committed by one of these ghost guns, we have no history of the gun. We don't know where it came from. But Republicans on Fox News and and, and and all the Newsmax and OAN, all they're doing yesterday is attacking Joe Biden for ghost guns. And then what's Fox News doing today? Wall-to-wall coverage on this shooting. And who are they blaming? Well, they're not blaming Joe Biden necessarily, but they're blaming Democrats because this shooting happened in New York and we have a Democratic governor. They're blaming Democrats for this shooting. 
And it's just so oblivious to me. It's so disgusting, Chris. And I get so angry when I hear this because why can't we just come together and try to get try to get these guns off the streets, come up with comprehensive gun control? I sent a text message to Mr. Fred Gutenberg this morning. He lost his daughter in the Parkland school shooting. He was in Washington yesterday. And I said, Fred, you know, it's so disgusting. I texted him this morning. I said, you got all these Republicans that are against these ghost gun bans and, and, and against proper gun legislation. And now today they're blaming Democrats for this shooting. And, of course, uh, he agreed with me, Chris. So what are your thoughts on this? It's just – it's so disgusting. All right. So uh, obviously, you know, in a horrific tragedy like this, we've had multiple situations like this and scenarios that are just absolutely terrible. Okay. And, you know, I'm very hesitant, Brian, right out of the gate. I mean, we're just a matter of just a few hours since this happened of turning this into a political situation. Okay. It appears that it is one individual here, okay, who is uh, obviously disturbed, all right, and has had some. I, we don't know yet what his history is, uh, what what you know what the reason behind this was. We don't we don't know the motivation. So again, I'm hesitant to just start diving in. I, look, I get it. You know, it's it's a talk radio show, and we're going to get into the politics of it. You know, and uh, and get into uh, you know the sides of the aisle, and you know who you know. Who should who's to blame when it comes to the situation? All that, but I mean, I'm just so hesitant because it's 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 just it's fresh, it's brand new. We as a society here in America, uh, we have, we're a gun society. Okay, uh, we become essentially desensitized to these situations. I've talked about this at length and at nauseum, as have you over the over the past five, six, seven years. That you know. We were in a situation with the Connecticut shooting, your home state, okay, where school children were mowed down, okay? School children were killed. Multiple school children were murdered, okay? Not according to and Alex nothing, Jones. And nothing changed. <laughs> nothing changed, Brian. Nothing changed, okay? So from a political standpoint, I say I'm hesitant. I'm just disheartened with, with the country. I think we failed. At this, I think we failed when it comes to uh, having common sense gun legislation, which is something that we need. I don't understand how it's uh, you know it's something that can be combative when it comes to the right and the left. It would, to me, it would make sense as somebody who is a left winger like myself, as someone who has you know carried a weapon, okay, in the military as a U.S. Army infantryman, okay, someone that was that yes, what you know. If if we had a war, okay, that uh, that I had to go to Iraq back in back in the early 1990s when I was in the army, okay, I would have had to go and you know actually go into theater and actually use my weapon, okay, as a lefty that believes yes you should be able to defend yourself in your home, okay, but I also don't think that American American average citizens should have some types of weaponry that they that they have access to right now because of our gun laws in this country yes it, it's, it's extremely frustrating okay when things like this happen and and I get it we I get it we want to go political about it but at the same time I also want to say that you know you got to look at every individual situation and 
regardless of where it is, whether it's in El Paso, whether it's in Florida, whether it's in Newtown, Connecticut, whether it's in San Bernardino, California, whether it's, you know, whether it's in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, and you got to look at every individual situation for what it is. Well, that's and it appears for what this is, it's it's one individual. Okay, that's absolutely disturbed. Okay, and now it's going to trigger essentially a nationwide debate again about guns, and everybody's going to get blustery about it, and everybody's going to get fired up about it, and the left is going to get you know is going to be up in arms saying, you know, all you people, you think you need to have all your guns, you need to have all your guns. And then the right's going to say, you lefties just want to take all our guns away. Everybody wants to go to the extreme on one side or the extreme on the other. And no, we, and it's just absolutely sickening to me and disheartening that we can't find a common ground and that we cannot have, I, like I just said before, common sense gun legislation in this country across the board. Well, I'll start from square one, and I agree. I'll start from square one. I can't imagine how frightening it must have been for those people uh, in those subways this morning. I can't imagine what it would be like because I've never been in a situation like that where, you know, you're going to work. It's it's just another day. Maybe you're a tourist, whatever the case may be. And you're in that subway, and then all of a sudden you see somebody walk in there. With the gas mask on and gas up the subway. And I would say to myself, okay, I'm dead. I would say, I guess this is my time. I'm going to die at the hands of some sort of terrorist. And then the guy takes out a gun. And again, we don't know what type of gun he used. Uh, we're going to learn all that information. And then he starts spraying people in the subway. I, I, I just, again, I just can't imagine trying to put myself in their shoes. And I'm so grateful and thankful that uh, it appears as though nobody's going to lose their life. That's a miracle in itself, by the way. Uh, A guy with some sort of powerful weapon, I would imagine, shooting people, trying to kill, I would imagine, as many people as possible. When I hear this story, Chris, I hear premeditation. This was a guy who obviously planned this thing out. He had the gas. This wasn't like a, you know, sometimes we hear about murders that that happen, you know, at the snap of a finger, right? Uh, This was something that was clearly premeditated and whether people want to label it terrorism or not to me it doesn't really matter this was one person who wanted to cause carnage he did and now he's on the loose too now i would imagine with all the cameras they have in that city they're going to find out who this guy is and where he is i would imagine at some point he takes the mask off we're going to get an image of his face and we're uh nypd they're going to track this guy down and if he doesn't take his own life or get into a gunfight with law enforcement, which he might, um, hopefully we're going to learn where he got that weapon. Still in the early stages. But the reason why I brought up a little bit of politics is because, again, less than 24 hours ago, Joe Biden was doing what he could. And I give him credit for this because he does talk about gun control a lot, as do a lot of Democrats do. doesn't mean they're always right. The overwhelming majority of Democrats don't want to take all your guns away. That's a right-wing talking point. They want to take weapons of war away, like the type of weapons you had on you, Chris. But the overwhelming majority of Democrats um, do not want to take all your guns away. Now, the NYPD uh, has released a picture of a van. It looks like a rental truck, a a rental truck van that they believe this guy is driving. Uh, They believe the shooter might have been driving this U-Haul van. Uh, They have the license plates on it, so hopefully they'll find it. And that's that's new information. But the reason why I bring up Joe Biden is because, again, Chris, just yesterday, 
He was talking about banning ghost guns. Any reasonable human being, even gun lovers out there, would probably agree with Joe Biden, right? Ghost guns are not good for this country because they have no serial numbers and no history. And anybody can just put together a gun. It's, it, it's a common sense thing, right? Well, no but, question about it. But, yeah. but the reason why I, I bring it up, Chris, is uh, because Tucker Carlson just last night and many of the cronies on Fox News were attacking Joe Biden for this very simple bill that he's trying to pass and trying to get his attorney general to, to change the laws. You know why? Because he can't pass anything because the Republicans won't let him pass anything. So he has to now go to his attorney general and say, hey, we need to change the laws with ghost guns, which I hope he's able to do, by the way. And less than 24 hours later after this press conference, when all this stuff is going on, we have a madman who walks into a subway, starts spraying bullets on people. And if you're a Tucker Carlson type person, who's despicable, or some of these people that have are, are so passionate about their guns, but then when I ask them, okay, are you just as passionate at ending gun violence, they don't know what to say. Well, what do you say to these families now that are hoping that their loved ones make it through this? What do you say to them? I'm not saying all the gun laws you could pass in the world could have stopped this guy. Maybe. I'm not saying it would have. All I'm simply saying is Fox News is a perfect example. Yesterday, all day, they're attacking Joe Biden for trying to get rid of these ghost guns. And then for the last six hours, all Fox News has done has been covering this shooting. And who are they blaming? Democrats. Because it happened in New York City. Chris, do you remember the Texas El Paso shooting where a guy walked in there, a white supremacist, what's his like, three or four years ago, and, and just sprayed bullets, killed a number of people in Texas El Paso at a Walmart? A Republican was the governor there. Did you hear Republicans saying, oh, well, we had a Republican governor? Did you hear Democrats saying that? Were they blaming uh, the Republican governor and it happened in a Republican state? No. Democrats have been pretty consistent on this issue. Comprehensive gun laws put in place. Reasonable gun laws put in place. But I didn't hear anybody saying, oh, it happened in a Republican state. What does it matter what state it happens in if Republicans and Democrats can't come together and pass basic common gun laws this is going to continue to happen at a high rate. The, the People want to talk about, the Republicans want to talk about violence. They want to talk about, oh, look at all this violence happening in the Democratic states. One thing they don't want to talk about is something called gun violence. Gun violence is up everywhere. And then ask a Republican, what's your answer to all this gun violence? Oh, I heard it on Fox News today. Oh, the, the, the Democrats, they want to defund the police. Not true. That had nothing to do with this shooting today. Not true. What we need to find out in this specific shooting is how this deranged individual got his hands on the weapon. But even when we do find that out, Republicans are going to say more guns are the answer. You should have had people with guns on the subway. Imagine how many more people would have been killed if that happened today. So it goes back to my original thought. It's a very scary situation. It's a horrible situation. I hope this guy gets caught. Uh, He's on the loose right now, which is really scary really scary for people i would imagine a lot of people are not going to want to go on the subway especially those people that were on the subway today very scary situation understandable i hope all these people pull through but it's such a joke i hear these people on fox news yesterday all day attacking joe biden for getting rid of ghost guns which any reasonable person would believe would be a good thing and now today after this shooting in a subway They don't want to talk about what type of gun he was using. How did he get his hands on the gun? No, they want to blame Democrats because it happened in a state that's run by a Democratic governor, which is absurd, Chris. It's absurd. Well, Brian, you you posed the question, you know, what do you say to the families, right, of the victims? And the situation, as you pointed out, it looks like it's going to have, I I don't even know, I I don't even know if this is the right way to say it, the best case scenario that hopefully nobody actually dies. But how many analogies do I need to use? 
The ship has sailed, okay? The horse is out of the barn, all right? I brought up Newtown, Connecticut. You brought up Parkland, okay? October 1. In Florida. October 1. Yeah. El Paso, San Bernardino, the, you know, the shooting at the club in Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. over the last you know, handful of years. Every single time, you know, thoughts and prayers this and thoughts and prayers that. And, you know, everybody wants to be, be all blustery about their side of the aisle and, you know, and, and nothing ever changes. Nothing ever gets done when it comes to legislation in this country because we have a gun, gun we have a very unique gun culture in this country. All right. We've talked about the stats many times. All right. These types of mass shootings that go on, they don't go on all over the world like this at, 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 at this rate, at this level. I mean, you talk, you talk about the, you know, quote unquote mass shootings. OK, it's like the United States of America has most of them. And then there's like a handful of countries that just have a few. Right. That are, you know, that are two, three, four and five in the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it is a culture that we have in this country where, you know, anything goes. When it comes to when it comes to what you can have and what and what you you know what you're able to acquire in this country, and you, again you have lefties like myself that go out there and say, look, we want common sense gun reform. We we want certain we want American citizens not to have certain types of weapons. Okay, and then the right wingers will say, well, you know that's not exactly that's not an automatic assault. That's not an assault rifle. There's no such thing as an assault rifle. There's no such thing as an automatic weapon. And they get they get bogged down in the details, you know. And they start you know they start getting in the weeds when it comes to details like that because they don't want to address the issue that there are some weapons that the average American citizen does not need to have. And they always bring up this too. They always say, "Well, how come I, I want to be able to defend my family." I want to be able to, you know, uh, in case there's something, you know, the, there's an all-out assault. Uh, I, I was listening to a local radio host yesterday talking about the scenario back during the uh, every, when everything was going down with Black Lives Matter and everything and all that, and was talking about the scenario where uh, I believe it was uh, it might have been the Missouri situation with the, mm-hmm. the couple in Missouri where there was uh, you know groups of people that were going into or going around gated communities or whatever. And were threatening, yeah. uh, it, it, and were uh, the people felt very threatened that were living in those types of areas. Yep. And so the host is talking about how, yeah, what happens if there's thirty people that you know that converge on my house, and I and I don't have, you know, a weapon that I, that uh, that has you know sixty to a hundred rounds in a magazine or whatever, you know, on me. And I can't defend myself and defend my family. Then what? Right, right. You know, it's it's just like like the arguments are so absurd. And they are just not and are, and are, no are common just sense. Non, they're just nonsensical. Well, and so again, I go back. To, I'll just circle back to what I was saying. I think that you know, any time a, a, a a tragic situation like this comes up, you know, there ends up being a, you know a, a, a you know a windstorm of everybody you know everybody coming out and getting all fired up on their side of the aisle. But then at the yeah. end of the day, nothing ever gets so, done. And a couple, yeah. a couple new uh, specifics to this shooting because we're getting information that's been seems like coming out by the minute. Uh, this is an unbelievable uh, p- 
piece of information. We're learning now that police believe that the gun that this guy was using, which was found at the scene, jammed during the attack. Imagine how many lives were saved because of that. You know, you, you think in these types of situations, maybe uh, God was there. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an extremely spiritual or religious person, but the fact that his gun jammed uh, had to have saved multiple lives, you would think, right? And we're also learning that the subway shooter left a bag of fireworks. The big box is Phantom Brand Falcon Rising 25 shot. I have no idea what that is. It's sold specifically at five locations near New York. Uh, so, so again, more information is coming out by the minute on this shooting. I see these images, Chris, and I have an image right here that I think you're looking at and I'm looking at, which is people on the ground in front of the subway after the shooting with blood everywhere, people on the ground holding their wounds. I mean, it's awful. I mean, it, and, and you can see like the smoke, the gas in the background. I mean, you know, it has an eerie feeling of, uh, in, in a sense of what's going on in Ukraine right now. It looks like a war zone, you know, and. It can't happen in this country. It shouldn't happen in this country. But it does uh, happen. All the, it does happen too, far too much, Brian. I hope really they get does. this son of a bitch. I hope they get this guy, dead or alive. I hope they get him. But what I'm worried about, and I think what law enforcement's probably worried about right now, is this guy is obviously deranged. He could hurt or harm, kill or more more people. And you got to get this guy before he does something else. Usually, when someone commits a horrific crime like this, they do it again. You got to catch this guy. And I know that law enforcement are doing everything they can to do that. This has nothing to do with defunding the police or any of the political nonsense that some people on the right are are, are talking about right now. Uh, We don't know. Again, they have the gun. I don't know what type of gun it is yet. Maybe we'll get that information coming up. But it's a very sad situation. So I want to open up the phone lines now, Chris, and I want to ask people, what do you make of this shooting? What do you make of the right attacking Joe Biden for trying to get rid of ghost guns yesterday. He held a press conference. What do you make of this shooting in the subways? How can we prevent something like this from happening? I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer. All me and Chris are trying to say is something needs to happen. Republicans and Democrats need to work together. Certain guns should not be sold to people. Certain types of weapons should not be sold to people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I would love to hear from you. And what are your thoughts on this shooting at this New York City subway? Uh, Terrorist attack or not, it's one deranged individual, police believe, that tried to kill as many people as possible. And it appears as though his gun jammed during the attack. Thank God. The number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation is 702-221-7283. And again, the number, uh, what do you make of the shooting that took place in the New York City subway uh, in New York City? I believe it happened in Brooklyn. Uh, people now in surgery uh, fighting for their lives. But what we've learned is that uh, the, uh, the people, five people that are in critical but stable. So that is huge. That's really important. It means they're most likely going to make it. Again, the number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation is 702 702- Two two one seven two eight three again two two one seven two eight three covering the breaking news story of uh, the subway shooter uh, on the loose uh, crazy situation crazy story uh, amazing that nobody has died I'm very very happy to hear that but a lot of injuries and a lot of people terrified and they'll probably never forget this day for the rest of their lives hey quickly before we go to break I want to tell you about somebody that I had the luxury to meet uh, just uh, last week her name is Eva Chase. And she's a fresh new candidate for lieutenant governor for the great state of Nevada this year. She is a transgender woman, 
an independent progressive candidate, and uh, she supports, of course, veterans and the LGBTQ community, voting rights and Black Lives Matter, all subjects that are certainly clear and dear to my heart as well. She's lived in Las Vegas for 15 years. She's worked at MGM for 13 years, a hardworking person who will work hard for you. Please follow Eva Chase on Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, She has new ideas for positive change. Again, that's Eva Chase, who is running uh, again uh, for uh, in Nevada this year for lieutenant governor. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, he's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. We'll take some of your calls on the subway shooter at 221-7283. I have some solutions. Uh, I'll ask Chris what he thinks his solutions are when we come back. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is pushing the limits on a Tuesday. We got Chris Wynn in the house. By the way, coming up, hour number two. Going to preview the NBA playoffs. The playing games, Chris, start today. So we have nine year NBA veteran and Vegas local. He played for your Detroit Pistons, by the way. Junkyard dog Jerome Williams will be joining us coming up at the top of the hour. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then later on in the show, Real Kid Poker, Danny Negrano, is going to be joining us. Uh, a very He was kind of threatened at a Vegas Golden Knights game. He's going to tell us by who. By the way, we are streaming live on my Twitter page, Pushing Limits LV, and my official Brian Shapiro, scrawny, bald Jewish man Facebook page. Yes, that would be me. Uh, so we are streaming live video and audio, so you get to see why I have a face for radio. Chris may be included in that. I don't know. He can speak for himself. But uh, we're streaming live every show. So uh, I know people have been asked for it. You ask it, you get it, man. Don't worry. I will not be taking off my clothes, at least not when we're on video. Uh, By the way, I want to tell you guys real quickly about my friend, Brian Slipok, who owns Jackson's Bar and Grill. I've been going there with C-Win for years. We love this bar. It's located on Flamingo and Jones. Great gaming bar. Great atmosphere. Chris can attest to that. Great bartenders. Just great people over there. Great food. And they have great gaming specials. By the way, you walk in there, you mentioned my name and the name of this show. Sign up for a player's card, or if you already have one, you're going to get $10 free slot play. Get 100 points, new sign up, you get $20 free slot play. So you get $30 right there. And then, you know, we know how expensive gas is, right? So uh, if you reach 100 points, you get into this electronic drum, and every week they're giving out, uh, if you're lucky to win, $100 gas cards. So how cool is that? Jackson's Bar and Grill. Flamingo and Jones, please check them out and tell them I sent you. We love going there, and it's a fun place to go to. So, Chris, obviously we are covering this uh, horrific situation that took place in New York City, right? It sounds like it could have even been a lot worse. This is a premeditated situation where a guy clearly walks in there with uh, some sort of bomb apparel. I don't know. It just seemed like he had stuff that did not detonate. We're going to learn more information on that. Uh, He came in there with a gas mask and a gas canister, gassed up a subway, took out a gun, uh, left it at the scene of the crime. It appears as though the gun jammed up. Thank God for that. Shoots a bunch of people. We know at least 10 people were injured. Or I'm sorry, 16 people were injured. At least 10 people were struck by bullets. It's amazing to me that all those people are alive. Five of them are in critical but stable condition. Thank goodness for that. But the scary part about this, Chris, is that the shooter is still on the loose. I hope they find this guy and they find him sooner than later because clearly this is a mentally deranged individual. Yeah, there's no question that uh, this is an individual that is deeply disturbed. And, uh, you know, yes, it is one person, okay? And so I don't know if we want to go off the rails and start talking about uh, you know, and, and start going down the angle of politics, but you know that's what we're going to do, okay? That's exactly what happens every time one of these, you know, horrific 
tragic scenarios pops up and happens in America, it ends up triggering, right? It ends up triggering a debate. And uh, that's exactly what's going to happen in this situation as well. By the way, I'll just uh, share this with you real quickly before we get back to this horrible uh, shooting that took place in New York City. Uh, a comedian that I, I've liked for a very long time, and I had the pleasure of meeting him years back, Gilbert Godfrey, has just passed away, uh, sadly. Uh, he lived here in Las Vegas. He has family here in Las Vegas, so uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. Gilbert Godfrey, a strange individual, but a very funny, talented guy. Uh, Affleck! Uh, very funny individual, so very uh, very sad, uh, sort of the Godfrey family. Did he have health issues yes. or something? Okay, because uh, Yeah, because Gilbert Godfrey is not exactly you know elderly at all. No. Right? I mean, he's not that old. No, so, so sad. I mean, we've lost some. That is sad. Gosh, we've lost some great people. Uh, Bob Saget, of course. Uh, Norm McDonald. We've lost some really talented people over the course of the last year or so. And uh, so sad to hear about that. Gilbert Godfrey, I always loved his appearances on the Howard Stern show. And uh, it'd be him and Beetlejuice sitting there on the couch uh, yelling at one another. And it was just pure comedy. Very, very funny guy. I remember he had a residency over at Westgate. It might have still been the Hilton. But I, I remember I watched his, watched his stand-up comedy for the first time. And uh, kind of going off here uh, on another story, but I'm in the sports book, right? And I'm just uh, at the Westgate. And I'm watching some games. I don't remember why I was there. And all of a sudden, I see this little man walking by. And I'm like, wait a second. Is that Gilbert Godfrey? He's wearing a hat. He's just walking around by himself. I, I go, Gilbert? And he turns around, and it's Gilbert Godfrey. And we're having this really awkward conversation. He was an awkward guy to talk to. And I told him how much I, I loved his appearances on the Howard Stern Show and what a fan I was. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then we're just gonna, you know, he's got that weird voice. And, and we were just talking for a few minutes, and I remember that. So anyway, sad to hear about Gilbert's passing. We just lost Louis Anderson, too. It's just really sad. And, of course, Brian, uh, Gilbert Gottfried, a number of appearances in films as well, too. Mm-hmm. The first thing I think of when I think about Gilbert Godfrey is his appearance on Beverly Hills Cop with yes. Eddie Murphy, where uh, he plays a uh, scumbag kind of lawyer, and he's you know, he's he's uh, and he's, <laughs> yep. he's always got these quip these quippy one liners, you know, where he's. Uh, Quite hilarious across the board. There's yeah. people out there with chainsaws. You're cuffing me. <laughs> yeah, like that. It's just like the guy was a personality. He and, was. Uh, he was. And uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's sad to, to hear that he's very passed. sad. Life is short, man. Like I said, you can get on a subway and just be going to work one day, and uh, all of a sudden your life flashes right before your eyes. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, and I said this after October one. I said I'm I'm actually surprised these things don't happen more often in society with all the crazy people out there that could get access to guns. But and because of how heated our political discourse is right now in this country, that doesn't help. I am surprised yeah. that it does not happen more often, and you know, by people that can be motivated across the board, you know, on either side. Yeah. I am surprised that this does not has not happened more often. And uh, look, we don't know what what the, this individual's you know uh, where his head was at when when this you know when this happened. But, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely shocked that this is not something that is more common. So if you watch Fox News or OAN or Newsmax, they're going to blame Democrats for this. And if you watch CNN, MSNBC, or most other credible networks, uh, MSNBC does lean to the left, but credible networks, they will probably talk about the fact that Joe Biden yesterday was trying to get rid of these ghost guns, and which I believe is the right thing to do. And everybody on the right was criticizing that. So what do Republicans do today after this type of shooting? 
they blame Democrats and they say, well, since this happened in New York, it's run by by a New York uh, by a Democrat who's a mayor, De Blasio, uh, and you know it's 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 run uh, who's out of there, uh, and you know run by a, a governor who's on the left. Let's blame Democrats for this. And I say, well, wait a second. Democrats are the ones that want to get rid of some of these weapons of war. It doesn't really make any sense to me, Chris. And I'm opening up the phone lines at seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three. Again, that number two two one seven two eight three. I don't know what the solutions are. I can give a few, but I'll ask you for your solutions. Uh, again, that number, 2217283. Here's what I think we need to do. Now, we're going to learn more about how this individual got this gun. We're going to learn more about, uh, you know, hopefully, when he is arrested or taken into custody, which we hope happens sooner than later. But now I'm going to speak in general terms. I don't know if any laws could have stopped this individual from doing what he did, and I would never claim that. But here's what we need to do. The weapons of war need to be taken off the streets. F your freedom. doesn't mean you can have a bazooka gun. It doesn't mean you could have a tanker. And you shouldn't be carrying AR-15s that can kill God knows how many people in a short period of time. I look at October 1 as a perfect example of that. Those types of guns need to be taken off the streets. We need to have stronger red flag laws put into place. Example, if somebody threatens the life of somebody else and there's proof of it, that person for a minimum of several days should not be allowed to, to purchase a weapon unless they get a mental health evaluation. But there are so many people on the right that don't even want red flag laws put in place, which is absurd. For you people out there that don't want red flag laws put in place, man or woman, if you have somebody that calls you and you have somebody that day that says, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to buy a gun and I'm going to go and kill you, wouldn't you want a red flag law put in place so that person at that time can't legally buy a gun? I certainly would. So I think we need red flag laws put in place. I also believe that uh, we need uh, comprehensive background checks put in place. Just reasonable laws put in place. Uh, I think if you put that in place, make it as hard as possible for deranged idiots and criminals to get their hands on weapons. They, some of them still will. I'm not saying that's the cure of all cures, but what I am saying is – Nothing has been done, and Chris alluded to that, even after the Connecticut shooting when we had a bunch of eight- and nine-year-olds decapitated. Nothing was done then, and I have no faith in Republicans working with Democrats to get these things done. And it's very disheartening to me. It really is. So you're posing the question, of course, is that you know if, if you, Brian Shapiro, or myself, Chris Wynn, or, uh, or any of us had you know ultimate power, right? We could decide what the United States of America is going to do when it comes to gun legislation, right, and gun control. Mm-hmm. And the obvious answer should be for everybody, okay, is that is essentially what you talked about, okay? Certain weapons do not be need to be in the hands of the average American citizen, okay? And you don't ha- you don't have to have an arsenal, okay, in in your house to pr- to protect you and your family. You just don't, okay? Now, obviously. The opponents of that are going to turn around, okay, and talk about how, you know, that, that and, and they're going to be, and look, there are three letters, okay, that have been the main obstacle to any kind of change when it comes to gun legislation in this country. And obviously that is what? The NRA, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, there's multiple other, uh, you know, gun, uh, gun uh, advocate groups out there, okay, that have a, a tremendous amount of power when it comes to politics. So we've been hamstrung for years. When it comes to how to deal with gun control or how to implement gun control across the board. What's a little bit ironic about this situation in New York, New York City and uh, the state of New York as a whole is very strict, actually, when it comes to guns. 
Like, you're going to get, you know, uh, if you can recall, uh, we're sports guys, so you remember the situation with Sebastian Telfair, the former ba- the basketball player, uh, former NBA player. Um, he got a ton. He got a ton of time, in, uh, a ton of jail time, uh, just for having a uh, a weapon. I believe it was unregistered on his presence, you know, on him in his car. And I mean that extends out to kind of how gun laws are in New York, and especially in New York City. My point being, it's a very strict city when it comes to guns. So. Uh, this type of situation happening in that city is—it's uh, not going to be good from a legal standpoint for this for this individual that we talked about has been deep is deeply disturbed and that has uh, created this uh, horrific scene. So I would expect that this individual is going to be in a ton of trouble, and I I, I don't think this has anything to do with politics. I think this is just a situation where you have a deranged individual, you know, whose motivation we don't know about yet. Okay, who created a absolutely terrifying, horrific, horrible situation. And uh, maybe we shouldn't dive any more deep than that, you know, when it comes to this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, again, I, I mean, I keep going back to the gun culture, right? The way that we are in America, our viewpoints as a whole, as a country, it's just different than every other country. We view things differently when it comes to you know, personal protection when it comes to our civil liberties, right? I, I mean, everybody everybody talks about liberty this, liberty that. A lot of people don't even know what, what the definition is. They don't even know what they're talking about. They just have an idea in their head that, oh, yeah, I can do whatever I want, right? And I, and I, and I can protect myself however I want to protect myself. That's, that's basically kind of the mindset of the average Joe, the average Jane in America, is that, hey, I you know, I should be able to... I should have carte blanche as to how I want to protect myself and, and as far as what I need as far as weaponry in my household or in, in my presence. And until that cha- if, if that changes, and look, I'm, again, I'm very skeptical. I'm very disheartened. I'm, very, I'm someone who's uh, on this issue. I just, I just don't think that uh, the needle's going to get moved. I just don't think it's going to because we've seen in the past – uh, the the worst case scenarios across the board, uh, families destroyed, you know, uh, people murdered, you know, in all types of situations that are just beyond despicable and horrible, and yet uh, it, it we still are struggling and we still are battling each other over this issue. And it shouldn't. If you're just joining us, we're talking about this horrific shooting that took place in New York City today on the subway where a guy walks in there. Uh, again, one witness said it's like a scene from a horror movie. A guy walks into the subway, puts on a gas mask, gas an entire uh, car in the subway, takes out a gun and starts shooting people. Uh, at least 10 people were hit, 16 people injured, and uh, five people in critical condition. And uh, a guy, by a commuter by the name of Ken Smith said it was like a horror movie. He said he heard shots coming from a neighboring car as it filled with smoke. And uh, another witness said, uh, we can't even see the faces of the people in the train car anymore because of the gas. He said, we luckily pull up to the station very shortly after that, and we all run out once the door is open, and it's absolute bedlam. There's people fleeing up the stairs. Luckily, an R train pulled up. There's people running into the R train, uh, people running for their lives. Uh, the scene was absolutely chaotic. 
so schools are, have been on lockdown all day in New York City. Uh, obviously, there's been uh, no train service. Uh, yeah, there are national leaders that are offering their prayers and assistance, which which is fine. But again, as I've said before, and as Chris alluded to, nothing. There's going to be no change here. Uh, there's still going to be people on the right that are going to say that they, you know, the ones who sleep with their guns at night, uh, the ones that think there should be really no rules or laws put in place. But the interesting thing about it is when you poll most people, I think like 80% of the country, I, I've seen these polls, including Republicans, agree that they're okay with comprehensive background checks. They're okay with it. Why it can't get done in Congress? Well, I'll tell you why. Money. Because a lot of the Republicans uh, are getting paid off their campaign and getting contributions from, from organizations like the NRA. You know, Marco Rubio is a perfect example of that. Uh, you know, and, and, as, and as long as that continues to happen, then no laws are going to be put in place where the number one uh, reason is for the safe and well-being of the American people. It's going to be for the well-being of the NRA. It's going to be for the well-being of, of gun manufacturers. Uh, so we have another witness uh, who uh, just made a statement that said the suspect was seen mumbling to himself before he put on the gas mask, uh, releasing the smoke canister commonly bought online and opened fire. Uh, there were no working cameras on the 36th Street station, unfortunately. Um I guess mumbling to yourself is not something that's abnormal in New York City. Uh, a lot of people on the subways, in fact, you could see some people in Las Vegas too, particularly downtown on Fremont Street, mumbling to one another. That really doesn't mean obviously this. Obviously, if you're somebody that's going to walk into a subway and just try to kill innocent people, you're mentally deranged. Usually, people that mumble to themselves are mentally deranged. Even though sometimes I mumble to myself from time to time, but uh, that's not a surprise to me at all. And there's no question, Brian, that uh, you know it, we're setting up a picture here of the individual, the suspect. Right. Where maybe we don't want to overthink this. Right. Maybe we don't want to go down the road of uh, turning this into a a whole debate. And uh, look, that's what we do. okay, and that's what that's what America is going to do. But this is one individual. okay, that absolutely has issues. And, you know, I I, I just I I mean, I would like, you know, if it was if if it was if it was C. Wynn making the decision on this as far as, you know, how. What the uh, the dialogue would be across the board in America after something like this, it, uh, I would be more geared towards compassion, right, and empathy towards the victims, and and kind of focusing on that as opposed to necessarily you know diving into a whole other you know again debate on something that is not going to change you know because of especially just this one situation. I, I mean, I I talk about it all the time. You know, use whatever, and I'm not laughing, you know, in in any way uh, at all about this. I'm I'm just, you know, I'm I'm exasperated essentially because it's. I mean, you can use whatever analogies you want. The horse is out of the barn, you know. I, I mean, it it doesn't matter. It's just it's the ship has sailed, okay. And uh, and if nothing has been done to this point in 2022, after uh, all the the just atrociously horrible scenes. That Americans have witnessed over the past decade, over the past two decades, over the past three decades, when it comes to mass shootings. And look, Brian, how about this whole? Uh, you know, who who gives a damn where it happens? Right? Who cares? It doesn't matter. You know, because it happens in Brooklyn, New York, and because Brook, you know, and because Brooklyn's run by Democrats in the in the in the, in the right wingers' heads. That you know, it's 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 you got to blame the Democrats for it. You know. I, well, we, we've already gone over multiple situations where 
these shootings happen in places like Florida and Texas and other places that are, you know, the idea is that they're run by Republicans, even though they're not, okay? But the idea is that, you know, uh, the right-wingers, you know, big-time Second Amendment people are in charge and have control, you know? What do you say then when when, when there's a mass shooting in one of those those states? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just... It doesn't matter where it happens. It, it to me, it's a, it's just another talking point for whoever you know. If, if it's going to be the left wingers that are going to that are going to bitch and moan well, Chris, about it, Chris, or or or, or people on the right important? that are going to say, "What's important? Well, look, look, it happened up in Connecticut. Well, and Chris, it happened up in, what, in New York. What's important is it happened in this country. Now, I don't want it to no happen. question. Yeah. I don't listen. I don't want gun violence to happen in any country. I don't want any innocent person to be hurt. But it's happening in the United States of America. What we know is that gun violence in this country is way up over the course of the last decade. And I believe there's not one reason for that. There's probably a lot of reasons for that. We need to attack those reasons. And when I hear people say more guns are the answer or we need 10 armed security guards in every school or movie theater, I say you're a moron. That's not the number one thing. I don't have a problem with security in schools. I don't have a problem with security guards at different places. That's fine. But that's not the number one problem here. The number one problem here, of course, is we got to get guns in, out of the hands of the wrong people. A lot of that has to do with mental illness. But we also don't – when you have somebody who is mentally ill, for example, if you have somebody walking into a subway, I, I, I would hope that individual doesn't get on with any type of weapon. Would you rather them have an AR-15 or a knife? Now, I'd rather them not have anything at all in their hand. But I think we all could agree the October 1 shooter, if he, if, if, if he didn't have AR-15s and all these weapons of war, we wouldn't have had over 60 people that died that day. People would have still died, no question about it. But that number of people, police would have been able to get in there, and the number of people wouldn't have been that high. There are certain weapons that should not be out on the streets sold to the general public, legal or illegal. AR-15s and weapons of war should not be sold to everyday Americans. And I'm talking about Americans that are not felons, okay? I'm just speaking in general terms here. The weapons that we give our soldiers or law enforcement should not be sold to the general public. I am not saying you shouldn't be allowed to defend yourself. Uh, If you're a law-abiding citizen, you should be allowed to have guns, gun or guns, but not these types of weapons. Now, again, I don't know what type of weapon this guy used in this subway, and I also don't know – if it, it was a legal weapon that was that was bought legally, we're going to get all that information. I am speaking in general terms right now. And if we want to help cut down the gun violence in this country, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take decades. But we need to start somewhere. And we have not. And I do believe that there are some, not all, but there are some Democrats that are doing everything they can. I know Joe Biden has, and he's getting very frustrated, and he talked about that yesterday as he had to talk to his attorney general to try to ban ghost guns because Republicans don't want him to even do that, which is the basic, a very basic thing. So he's got to be extremely frustrated. I remember how frustrated Barack Obama was uh, after the Sandy Hook shooting when he couldn't get anything passed. There are good people out there that want these laws to be passed for the safe and well-being of the American people. And then there are people out there that do not want any of these laws to be passed because they don't really care about the safety and well-being of everyday people. They care more about money in their pocket, money from the NRA. Uh, These gun lovers out there, I ask them the same question all the time, and they usually don't have an answer for me. Or if they do, they have a stupid answer. I say, okay, 
You're really passionate about your guns. Huh? You own 100 guns. Okay, fine. Don't have a problem with that. What is your solution? Are you just as passionate about ending gun violence and they don't know what to say? Or if they do say something, they'll say something stupid like, well, I think everybody should learn how to shoot a gun. We should have more guns. And I'm like, you are just so stupid. You're so dumb. It's okay to have differences of opinion. But more guns, clearly, based on the evidence, is not going to solve the problem here. We need to get guns out of the hands of the wrong people. We need to make it a little bit more difficult for criminals to get their hands on guns. We need comprehensive background checks, and we need weapons of war out of society, at least out of society when it comes to everyday Americans. We only got a minute or two left here, Chris. But Just, just a quick point uh, you mentioned. You talked about it. Look, I think it's just ludicrous to think that this idea of American society needs to have more guns, right? We need to have more guns to protect ourselves. This idea of school teachers having weapons in the classroom, I mean, to me, that's just preposterous, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just end it. My, 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 my comments on this, on this note, it's an American problem that we have. It is Absolutely. an American situation. This is not happening on a mass scale in other countries like Brazil or Germany or the Czech Republic mm-hmm. or across the world. Yep. It's just not happening yep. at the level. That is happening here in the United States of America, and that's the problem. And the mass shooting that happened in Sacramento a few weeks ago. You know, not a lot of people are talking about that either. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't don't care uh, what your political preference is. You're right. It's it's an American problem. Too many mass shootings. And uh, it's not going to end anytime soon. But we hope they get this SOB. We hope the NYPD... Uh, and I and I'm I believe that I hope this guy doesn't hurt anybody else or kill anybody. You know it's going to end like uh, Brian's going to end just like the the Boston bombers. Remember, I mean it ended up in a manhunt. It's it's going to probably go down something along those lines. Well, we hope we get a, get this bastard sooner than later. Thoughts and prayers again to uh, the family members and those that have been hurt uh, in this horrific shooting. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back. Going to talk a little NBA playoffs. The playing games are tonight, Chris. They I'm ex- tip off tonight. Yeah. Six, seven, eight, nine, and ten yep. seeds. Go at it. So Junkyard Dog, also known as Jerome Williams, uh, nine-year NBA veteran, lives here in Las Vegas. He's going to be joining us next to kind of preview the playoffs. And I've got to ask him about the Lakers, too. What are his thoughts on the Lakers disaster? He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. We're going to take a quick break. Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams, coming up next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. It's one of my most exciting times of the year when we got, you know, the NHL playoffs right around the corner. The NBA playoffs, at least the playing games, start tonight. One team that will not be in the playoffs is the L.A. Lakers. We're going to talk about that. So I said, who can we talk a little NBA basketball with? Well, the guy we have with us on the line right now, he's a nine-year NBA veteran, great guy. Uh, the nickname, of course, Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams, who had a nice career. He played for your Detroit Pistons for a little he bit did. there, Chris. Yes, and, he did. And Jerome joins us right now on the line. Jerome, how's it going, my man? How you doing? <laughs> I love it. Guys, how y'all feeling? Doing good, Jerome. How, how are you doing? What you been up to lately? Oh, come on. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm launching an a app that's going to change uh, change the sports for you know amateur athletes as we see it. 
uh, taking them on their journey all the way from middle school to high school, high school to college, and college to pros. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about that and and this new business you got running because, of course, uh, things have changed over the course of the last uh, few years or so when it comes to amateur athletes. Got to chat a little NBA basketball with you first, if I may. Before we get to the NBA playoffs, what do you make of the L.A. Lakers situation, and who do you blame? Who would you blame for the fact that the Lakers have not made the playoffs with arguably three Hall of Famers? Well, you know, I think that all the reports has come out, and I listened to Magic Johnson speak the other day, and basically LeBron wanted to play with Russell Westbrook. So Jeannie Buss and, and the staff at, at the trade deadline did not make any moves based on you know, basically like basically saying, Hey, you're our franchise guy. We're gonna we're gonna, you know, you know, trust your judgment in terms of, you know, where this can go. And they didn't make the playoffs. What? So she allowed LeBron to sort of some somewhat like sort of so quote unquote like lead <laughs> yeah. and get the player that he wanted when they wanted DeMar DeRozan. Right. And we see where Chicago's sitting. We see how many games DeMar played. And everybody with, you know, two eyes can see that, you know, they could have used (laughs) that type of scoring inside and outside. Um, Mid-range game, going to the cup. Um, DeMar's a phenomenal player, and he would have paired well and been able to really, you know, I think weather a lot of these storms that uh, the Lakers have had this season. When you were back in your playing days, Jerome, did you ever play with a guy that you felt like at times had more power than your head coach? Because I feel like obviously that's the case with LeBron. Well, um, I think the game has changed a little bit in that regard. I played with Grant Hill, who obviously was like the next uh, Jordan at the time, right? So if anybody would have had that type of power, it would have been him. Um, when I got to Toronto, uh they did consult even me on various moves that they were going to make. Even before I was traded, they consulted me. Um, then when I moved on to Chicago and New York, um, there were some other con- consultations. That's not an odd thing for them to ask players, hey, you know, would you, would you like to play with this person? Would you not like to play with this person? if you mean anything to the organization. So you don't necessarily have to be on LeBron level to get that. Um, Because if you're truly an organization trying to win, you know, you're making sure that that pairing is going to go well with not just your star player. Obviously he's probably the most, he's probably the most important, but you know, your second and third tier star players matter as well. Sure. Sure. The NBA's in a good spot, Jerome, right? I mean, you talk about uh you talked about Grant Hill, you know, when back in nineteen ninety four, he was one of the you know guys that w- was expected to be, you know, the next echelon of stars. But uh who who are the guys that you like that are coming up now? I mean, you talk about the likes of John Moran, obviously, Luka Doncic, and uh, you know, there's a lot of good young players in the NBA that uh look like they're gonna be taking the mantle from the likes of LeBron James and some others. I definitely look at Giannis. Giannis mm-hmm. uh Greek freak is definitely on that plate as being you know the next uh the next guy um and and he's 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 got a total package of sort of charisma even though he's got an accent um luca is in that conversation as well um sorry that he 
got hurt the last game in reference to, you know, right. going into the playoffs. You always want to go into the playoffs 100%. And uh, Ja Morant, you know, Ja Morant is exciting. He is uh, flashy. He's got that edge to him uh, and and makes makes people want to watch. You know what I'm, I'm looking for is, you know, a kid like uh, the Jalen Green, mm-hmm. like who's a high flyer who really brings excitement above the rim. I think in our era, there were, there were so many of those guys that they were, you know, like a Vince Carter had to be like well over the top. Right. Because he had to outshine Tracy McGrady, you -hmm. know, and and those, those kind of flyers, you know, Mm -hmm. Steve Francis and, you know, what he was doing above the rim. So it was, you know, now it's sort of, you know, you don't have uh, the the amount of stardom that, uh, you know, was in, in my era from, from a total package, but you do have plenty of stars. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with nine-year NBA veteran and Las Vegas local, Jerome Williams, also known as Junkyard Dog. Uh, Jerome, appreciate you being here. What do you make of these one-game playing games? I wonder how you would have felt back in the day when you're playing an entire season and you struggle to make the playoffs and then it comes down to one game. Do you like it? Do you dislike it? What are your thoughts on these playing games? You know what? There were playing games back in the day. They just You just had to play to the end of the season um, when I was playing with the Chicago Bulls and Toronto Raptors. So in my years in Toronto, not the first year, but the second, third year, you know, we we had to win uh, fifteen out of our out of our last seventeen games to make the playoffs, mm. which we did. Wow! Right in Chicago, we lost um, out on the playoff bid by half a game. So somebody lost. We I mean, we lost. Somebody won that. You know, half a game mm-hmm. uh, because of tie breaks and whatnot. So I like the playing because then you know it gives you that little bit of okay, you know. We're not in the series yet, but if we're if we're about this seriousness of this playoffs, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that series, mm-hmm. and that's what I do like about the plan because it does make a difference in one game. That's all you need, right? You're gonna decide one game. I love it. Like it's not, you know, you get two, three. No, you you, you feel like you should be in the playoffs. Get a dub. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Win and you're in. How bad is it for the NBA to not have the LA Lakers and LeBron James in the playoffs? It's bad. I mean, just look look, look at our faces. Right. I mean, you want to see people like Carmelo Anthony in the playoffs with LeBron James. That's what the banana boat and all that Miami stuff talk. It, it, that's what it's all about, right? You see Chris Paul's in the playoffs. You you know, this is an era, right? This is an era of uh, basketball. <laughs> Missing Dwayne Wade, but they still got serious, serious star power. Um, not to mention you're in one of the, the, the second to third largest market, if not the first in L.A., um, not being, you know, having your marquee team. Yeah, the Clippers are in, so they still going to have some viewership, yeah. but the Lakers are the Lakers and with LeBron James is serious. So one more Laker question and involves Russell Westbrook. I guess it's a two part question. You know, I'm sure in your playing days, Jerome, if you had a bad game or you're on the road, you have fans that are after you, right? They're going to say certain things. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying a, a fan should never be allowed to swear at a player and disrespect a player like that or threaten a player. Or, you know, I, I'm all for that. That should never happen. With this case, fans 
in L.A. calling Russell Westbrook, you've heard it, West Brick. Now, while I may not do that if I'm at a game, I don't have a problem with fans saying that. And Russell Westbrook has a press conference after the game and starts saying that he's going to put an end to this and it's affecting his family. My first reaction is, now I don't have kids, but my first reaction is, you're a professional basketball player. While people shouldn't threaten you or swear at you, if somebody calls you Westbrook, you take your money and you deal with it. I, am I wrong in saying that? You played in the league for nine years. I don't know what the worst thing in the world somebody said to you on the court was, but do you think if Westbrook, is that out of line for a fan to say that? And how do you feel about Russell Westbrook holding a press conference afterwards and, and going on a rant about how disrespected he felt? Hey, listen, let me just tell you something right now. You're getting paid 200 plus million. <laughs> There's a lot of worse things they could be calling you for missing a shot. So let's just let's just keep it real. You know, you got to have tough skin. You you want to go to L.A. Like L.A., New York, like, you know, you got to know where you're going. Like, you, you know, you got to got to accept that, you know, that's part of the game. That's part of, you know, the reality of being that type of caliber player, you know, um, I was never a franchise player, but I had a lot of star power when I came to arenas. And when there when there are NBA signs, you know, to say junkyard dog in other arenas that aren't my home arena, you know, you've you've you know, you've somewhat made it. Like you, you sure you're relevant. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, I got called different things, right? And there was never a press conference afterwards. I'm my own person. I still respect uh, Westbrook and and respect his feelings. I'm just saying, you know, that that for me would have just came with the territory, which it did. Yeah. He's not the number one player in L.A., so I can speak on that regard. Yeah. You know. But, you know, what? I see other players, not just Westbrook, getting into it with fans. I saw it with Kevin Durant the other day, swearing at a fan. A fan stands up and says, Kevin, you got to take over a game. Kevin Durant looks over at the fan, and, and I just saw the video of it. He says, why don't you sit down and shut the F up? We've seen LeBron talk to fans like that. Trevor Ariza on the Lakers did that. And I'm okay. thinking to myself, okay. it's... Okay, well, hold on. Let me stop you right there. Sure. Let me stop you right there. Yes. Because you don't think that that happened back in our day? Oh, absolutely. But there was no social media. Right. There were no microphones on the court. Right. Like, you know, you couldn't pick that stuff up, but now you can. They mm-hmm. got microphones in the player's sneakers. Like, you know, <laughs> right. You're going right. to hear the, you know, hear, you know, the booger drop on the floor nowadays. Did you so, ever get into it with a fan like that when you were playing, like a back and forth like that? that absolutely you... not. You didn't? No. Why? No. Why? If you have a nickname, the junkyard dog, right? <laughs> You're gonna if, if you're gonna if you're gonna scrap with me if you're gonna engage me, um, that you know that that's just you know comes with the territory of right. you know of toughness and I had to pick my battles. I already had the toughest battle on the court. As you can see, I'm not a I'm not a mean person, but in order to get into the persona of protecting my teammates, protecting my city, protecting my organization. I had to transform every night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so come with that comes with a certain amount of um, integrity and self-restraint. So you have to know what to throw out there and what not to throw out there. And I didn't, I didn't want to engage anybody because I needed the dog pound to respond when I needed to them for them to respond. So right. it wasn't about, it was like kick, picking my, picking my spots. Like, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to get at me, I'm going to wait till my opportunity 
and then I'm going to make everybody in the arena react, either at, at home or away. One way or the other, I'm going to do something that's going to make you wish you hadn't engaged me. So, Jerome, the NBA playoffs, they tip off tonight. A lot of intrigue across the board, right, both in the Eastern Conference as well as the Western Conference. But there's a team in the West I want to get uh, your take on because the Phoenix Suns, they were in the NBA Finals a year ago, of course, against the Milwaukee Bucks as Milwaukee captured uh, their first title in a long time. But this is a Suns franchise that's been there a couple times, right? They've been on the doorstep and haven't been able to get it done. What do you think about their chances this year? Obviously, you've got a veteran in Chris Paul leading that team. You've got young players like DeAndre Ayton, uh, as well as Bridges and uh, Devin Booker and some others. This is a team that possibly could get it done. You could have uh, Charles Barkley and Thunder Dan Marley and uh, Kevin Johnson, those guys, celebrating when it comes to the end of the playoffs this year. Well, my, my, my take on it is simply this. I've spoken with Chris Paul. I was hanging out with his dad this weekend uh, over at Lance Stevenson's house. Shout out to both of them. And, uh, you know, I believe it's their year. You know, um, I give you some reasons. Number one, um, back in, I forget what year that was, 2000-something in the top 100 camp, I played Devin Booker one-on-one. Beat him bad. (laughs) Ouch. Beat him bad. I I, I was retired. You know, my knees weren't where they used to be. But. You know, I know that at that point, my mind was, you know, I was at a place where I could beat him and his athleticism and his shooting prowess. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, this is 10, 12 years later, he's ready. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing about the NBA is when you become that veteran and you understand the nuances of the game, how to control it, how to pick your spots, know when to do something, when not to do it. Um, and and make the correct decisions at the end is vital. Second, Chris Paul, been there, done that. His record shows every team he's played for has had record wins. I don't even know if that's been done by a person of his stature, like in terms of, you know, the greats in the game, the Isaiah Thomases, you know, all those guys at his size. So that needs to just be said off top. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talked to him at All-Star Weekend, he was just excited. He was excited saying, JYD, I think this is this is our year. I think this could really be our year if we can stay healthy. And like his dad told me yesterday, um, it's about him staying healthy because a healthy Chris Paul with Devin Booker, Kale Bridges, you know, and the guys that they have on that team, mm-hmm. um, they have one of the best uh, benches in the league. I agree. Period. period in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and you know and that's what's going to take you far and that's why teams you know have a hard time playing them because as soon as Devin Booker and those guys go to the bench and Chris Paul they got a whole nother you know second tier that could be starters on other teams in the NBA I agree I draw I agree with you 100%. I, I feel like it's their time. They were so close last year, and they lost to a very good Milwaukee Bucks team, but I agree with you. I think it's their time, and they're, and they're ready. So, Jerome, this is something that I've talked to you about uh, on the show before, and I want to talk to you about it again because I know you, you're kind of plugged in uh, with maybe trying to get an NBA franchise here in Las Vegas. I don't know what you can tell us about this, but, you know, I was sitting next to Clyde Drexler, uh, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, right, is the commissioner of, of Ice Cube's 3-on-3 league, uh, yeah. and 
and I know you're a big part of that league as well. And me and Clyde were talking about it for a while, and he said, man, this is going to happen sooner than later, uh, probably a few years. What can you tell us about that as a former NBA player? I know how much you would love to have an NBA franchise here in Las Vegas. What can you tell us about that, and, and where are the talks going right now, and when is this going to happen? Well, there's a lot of talks going on right now. Um, there are a lot of good feelings about the NBA and Vegas. Um, the NBA feels like uh, Vegas is due. Um, they've been doing their summer leagues here for over 17 years. Um, typically, that's like, you know, R&D, right? Research and development like in terms of. Mm-hmm. But for 17 years, you've done the research and development in Las Vegas. Uh, the fan base here is tremendous because you have so many people used to driving in for the weekends, um, you know, from L.A., from California. And the fans here um, supported hockey. They now supported the Raiders. They've supported uh, the WNBA with the Aces. So the NBA is saying, hey, we're, we're and an MLB is trying to get in. Uh, one thing about new markets, um, new markets typically don't have the cachet, um, of a Vegas. They don't have that star power. It's like injecting, you know, a New York or an LA into, you know, the NBA. It's really like that without, without the media, obviously. Sure. Um, uh, you know, but like a Chicago, it's, it's on that type of level with less people, um, but from the star power and the amount of media exposure they would get from mm-hmm. being in Vegas, meaning the NBA, is just tremendous. So they're very careful right now uh, with the due diligence of suitors that are looking and eyeing Vegas because there's no shortage of billionaires who would love to be in the NBA. That's the key. But right. right it's a fraternity. It's it's hard to get in. You have to get approval from what? The Board of Governors. Well, that means other NBA owners have to approve the billionaire coming in. You want to be a part of the party? Oh, well, we got to, you know, make sure there's no undercurrent with any of our other right. NBA owners. Yeah. So it's 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 tough to get in. Like it's it's but it's going to happen. And that's why Adam Silver keeps saying it's probably going to happen in Vegas or Seattle because it is going to happen. Um it's just who's gonna get who's gonna get that bid. I think that the, it's gonna be key and vital for that person to have minorities a part of their bid. So right. So Jerome, you think it's gonna it's signed, sealed, and delivered? It's going to be an expansion franchise, right? Because there's been talk about right the New Orleans Pelicans possibly moving. Obviously, the Minnesota Timberwolves have been thrown in the mix, and also even even teams like the Clippers, right? Maybe relocating. It's it's you, you think it's going to be Vegas is going to get their brand new own team. Well, I definitely think there are. I mean, because you have no shortage of people trying to build arenas for yeah. <laughs> the Vegas team. <laughs> and uh, that is also um, one of the, you know, dangling carrots of, well, who who is it going to be? Yeah. Because some people want to own the arena. Some people want to own the franchise. Some people want to own both. Like, it's just, it's that. You know, we're talking billions of dollars, so it's it limits the amount of people that can be involved. Um, now that the NBA has the minority ownership through uh, venture capital, I think that that allows for a different type of um, presentation. Mm-hmm. 
And I myself um, have had involvement in, in some of those things. So I'm looking forward to whoever um, is involved with the team because I feel like, hey, you know, being a native of Las Vegas yes. here for, man, over almost 15 years now, um, yeah. you know, you once you once you get used to it after 10 years, you know, you, they call you a, a native. So Yeah, you would be a great ambassador. No matter who buys an NBA team and brings it here, you would have to be involved with it because, you, you, you first of all, you're a great father. And, uh, you know, you're, you're just a great ambassador for Las Vegas in the game of basketball. Uh, before I get to this new business venture you're in, uh, with, uh, which involves amateur athletes, I've always wanted to ask you this question. Uh, who would be your top five best NBA players of all time? Uh, because I get into these debates with people when it comes to LeBron James. And I'm just curious. I want junkyard dog Jerome Williams, top five NBA players of all time in order. Can you, can you throw that our way? Okay, well, I'm going to first start off with my number one guy who was my college roommate at Georgetown, top 75, right, Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. Chuck, the answer, yep. a.k.a. the question. <laughs> he's, he's my number one guy. Yep. Uh, then I'm going to go with um, the guy that actually uh, was had a poster on my wall um, from a young age, right, saw those shoes and and when i saw the shoes i was hooked as a young kid Mm -hmm. michael jordan you know i thought you were gonna say chris dudley okay gotta have mike in there okay (laughs) so then um at my small forward spot Mm -hmm. right another top 50 he has dog pound legions (laughs) i played him one-on-one at the age of like 19 on daytona beach sand right to five I dunked on this gentleman. He dunked on me. It was it was a very mutual exchange of combat. <laughs> and afterwards, you know, if I had to go to hospital, I would have been in good hands because he was a doctor. Dr. J. Julius Irvin. You played one-on-one with Dr. J. That's unbelievable. Played play one-on-one. <laughs> my my fourth guy, right? He's he's that forward slash killer slash. Okay. And now here's where I get a little, I got it. I mean, I just got to kind of like, I got to bend your rule a little bit. Okay. Because he's a mirror image of a guy that's today, his version, a scorer that just can score at will. He's a killer, right? Back in the day, it was Iceman George Gervin, and today is Kevin Durant. Mm. So I got to split my number four between those two Hall of Famers, both top 75. Both killers, both just bona fide assassins. And, of course, now we got to go to the center spot. Center spot's very easy for me. You know, this guy I bumped with, he's he's outweighs me by about 200, 300 pounds probably. You know, he, he was known as the diesel. Yep. You know, he, he, was, he was Shaq. Yep. But I can't just give it all to Shaq. I got to split it in half because my other half's my teammate in Toronto. He came from overseas, Keem Olajuwon, the dream mm, shape. Yeah. Mm. Boy, yeah. was he, his post moves were just. Chap, I can't believe there's no Bill Curley in there. There's no, <laughs> there's no, no Brian Scalabrini in there. 
I mean, for 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 your oh, for Celtic hey, fan over here, I'm a Pistons fan. Bill Curley is my guy. Come on, man. I'm just angry Chris Dudley wasn't in there. Hey, Jerome, I don't think anybody's going to argue with those names you just mentioned. I want to talk a little bit, Jerome. Uh, obviously, you're a successful businessman as well, and now you're involved in a new project, uh, helping uh, making the journey of the amateur athlete successful. Can you talk to me a little bit about this and uh, what's this all about? Oh, man, IP Famba. Make sure you go to that website, ipfamba.io. It's for, you know, young athletes, middle school, college, high school. I mean, high school to college, college to the pros. We're, we're going to be with you along your journey. You know, name, image, and likeness now matters. It matters in a big way. Um, it's not just about making money. It's about get, being on that journey to scholarship. Getting that opportunity like I had in in school. I got my degree from Georgetown University. Um, I value that very dearly. I I was made and, you know, made sure I went to class. And this is what all student athletes should strive for. They should want to be one of the 500,000 student athletes that receive college scholarships. So what we're going to do for IP Fomba is we're going to create a score for these kids, just like credit. So everybody in life has a credit score. We have an intellectual property score called the IP score. And we got some heavy hitter, heavy hitting data analysis people who have built the score with us. I mean, we're not we're not small potatoes here. If you if you name two data companies, I guarantee you it's one of them. If you if you know what you know about media and data. So they they built the score. So it's it's legitimate. Um, colleges and institutions use this data company for their data. So we're going to give these student athletes something that they can hold their hat on. Um, they can take on college recruitments and then do what? Then we're going to take them to the next level and take that same score and apply it to their name, image, and likeness for what sponsorships. Hmm. These kids are able to, to benefit from their name, image, and likeness and IP Famba. We want to be right there along the way, helping them do just that. And then lastly, It's all about NFTs. Mm -hmm. There's nobody doing NFTs for these kids. Nobody doing them for these families. And NFTs is a huge opportunity uh, with the blockchain, with crypto, in order for them to get their foot in the game. So we've already done some of the top athletes here in Nevada. We got Trenton Flowers, number, number, number one sophomore in basketball. We have Zachariah Branch number one ride receiver in the incoming uh, 2023 class. We got Jeremiah, the dog Williams, my son, top 20 middle schooler, sixth grader. He's a good player. <laughs> yep. We got Giselle Williams. She's volleyball, yep. um, top hitter in the Big East uh, as a it. freshman. Um, and, and, and the list is growing. So we want all the kids mm-hmm. to go on there, pre-register, put their information in there, and uh, be the first to get their score uh, come the fall because it can help them, you know, on their path and on their journey to success on the field and off the field. And it's all sports. So, you know, if you're playing volleyball, baseball, soccer, track and field, golf, any of those, football, lacrosse, um, we're doing it all. And we're looking forward to uh, helping all these student athletes. I love it. I think it's a great idea, and I don't think there's any better person to be to be pushing this than you. Uh, IPFamba.com, right, is the website. Please check it out. Jerome, you are always a class act, my man. Always appreciate your time when you come on. Maybe we can have you on again as we maybe get closer to the NBA Finals. But uh, Jerome Williams, Junkyard Dog, always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jerome. Hey, thank you.
thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you guys. Keep doing it up for the city of Las Vegas. And shout out to my dog, Pam. All right. <laughs> I love it. There he is, man. Thanks, Jerome. Appreciate you. That is Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams. Check out that website, by the way, ipfamba.com. Really cool stuff. We appreciate Jerome taking the time to join us. All right. We got to take a break. I went a little long there. Uh, but it's it's Junkyard Dog. I have to go along with Junkyard Dog. He's it's Junkyard no Dog. No worries, man. Yeah, yeah. What are yeah. you going to do? Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking to Real Kid Poker, Daniel Negreanu, VGK Superfan. He got into it with another VGK fan. We'll tell you why. Coming up next, Danny Negreanu joining us. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back to Pushing the Limits, also known as PTL. Glad you could join us. Streaming, by the way, online on my Twitter page, Pushing Limits LV. Also on Facebook. Check us out. Glad you could join us. And, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are in a dogfight. Speaking of Junkyard Dog, they're in a dogfight to make the playoffs. But uh, the guy we have with us on the line right now, not only is he a VGK super fan, he's actually a pretty good poker player as well. I've heard some rumors that Danny Negreanu has won a little bit of money playing poker. I wanted to have Daniel on not just to talk a little VGK hockey, but uh, an interesting situation or a sad situation of a fan wearing a specific piece of clothing. Uh, a shirt on the back of the shirt the other day, it said, Leonard's, uh, Robin Leonard, Leonard sucks, we deserve better. It's caused quite the controversy. I take Daniel's side on this one. I thought this fan was a little bit over the line, and I wanted Daniel to elaborate on it. Daniel, I appreciate you coming on, my man. How you doing? Well, good to see you, gentlemen. Yeah, it was certainly a weird one. And, it, you know, the, the, what's interesting about it is you mentioned a guy who was walking around with that shirt on. Mm-hmm. Like, look yeah. at me. Look how cool I am, you know. Like, what a loser, right? Like, you spend all that energy and time to make that shirt. But that's not the guy that I had an altercation with, which just lets me know, good job, Robin, on getting rid of your Twitter. Because the people here, I mean, we deserve better. You piece of crap. Like, You've got a team for four or five years, you know, and we deserve, you deserve nothing. You de- What he deserves is what I, what I would have wanted to give to the other guy, which was like a couple broken teeth for being an idiot. Yeah. You know, I'm so annoyed. Like, should I just tell my story? Yes. Here? Let's do okay. that. Okay, so tell me, you're at the game the other day, right? They're playing the Coyotes, right? I want to make sure I got the game right, right? Yeah. You know, Robin Lander's yeah. having a great game. Right. It's weird mm-hmm. that he's still during this time. Yep. Right, obviously, yeah. obviously, Arizona, so, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, they're supposed to win. So I'm, I'm, it's the end of the intermission, and I'm walking up, you know, the steps to go to the to the bathroom or whatever. And this guy sitting there says, I'm wearing my Panda jersey, which I got right here. Right. You know, Panda number 90 gold jersey. And he says, take off that jersey. And I smirk and laugh because I don't know. Maybe he's joking around. Maybe he knows who I am. I don't know. And I was like, what? You know, laughing kind of. And he's like, take off the jersey. I'm like, what? Well, I thought maybe because of the color or I don't know what. Right. And he says, he's a terrible goalie. <laughs> right. Take it off right now. And what? it's like this older white dude with a hat on, and I work out. I felt like I could have just decked him, and I'd be okay. But I don't want to get kicked out of the arena. But I mean, what's wrong with these people? Like, it's like it's like you know, some people on the Trump side have talked like Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah, people have for sure, like Flurry Laner derangement syndrome. In this. <laughs> What did, you say, what did you say to him, Daniel? So he comes up to you. He says, you know, take off that jersey. And then you can tell that he's being serious. He's not being funny. What did you say back? Did you say anything or did well, you just like walk away? I did tell him, is this show PG? Because there's some words in here that I use that probably not appropriate <laughs> for young children. But I, 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 I kindly told him to go. Um, F off. Find himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, find I, you himself. Know, I had a few other choice words, too, originally. Because originally <laughs> I was trying to have the discussion with him. Then I realized I was bringing stats, math, and logic to a feelings fight. Right. Which is what happens in this debate. 
with like the flurry versus Lane. But you're a nice guy. It takes a lot to get you that pissed off. I mean, I talk to even people that have known you for a long time. It takes a lot to get you that angry to swear at somebody. You're, you're really not that kind of guy. No, and, and that's the thing. And like seeing the guy with the shirt, it's like if you're going to say something, sure, that you haven't been, at least be accurate. At right. least be correct. Now, what does suck mean, right? Suck would mean you're one of the you know, one of, you're below average goalie, right? Yeah. Well, that's not what the stats say, right? If you look at goal saved above expectation, Robin Lehner's doing okay at 15th in the league with eight goals saved above he, expectation. He doesn't that suck. Means, yes, that he does he, not suck. No. Eight goals better than the average goalie. Now, yes. Flurry, who I love too, he's having a horrible year in that regard. He ranks... 112th he's 15 goals below expectation yeah. you know playing in chicago he's been better since he moved to minnesota of course but it's amazing how just you know none of that matters to these people they just have this thing laner is not flurry flurry makes these dynamic you know big sit Ooh, wow cool fashionable right <laughs> laner gets in front of the puck the puck hits him because he's a big man and he takes up the space and he anticipates right yeah, so they're very yeah. and i think the biggest thing is they're using Laner as the scapegoat for all their anger towards management and all the change that they've right. seen. I agree. It's so unfortunate that you're doing it to like a really good man. Like this guy wanted to say, you know, Laner's a terrible goalie. I want to say, and you, sir, are a terrible human being. So I listen, Daniel. I I know that you're, uh, you know, you're close with Robin. You guys are friends. Um, d- did you talk to him about why he decided to? take down his Twitter page. I think I know why. I understand why. It's certainly a distraction. Have you talked to him about that? Because he just doesn't want to deal with some of these idiots that make these types of statements. Here's the saddest thing about what happens here with social media and the disgusting thing that you guys have done. Robin said in an interview, he used Twitter to reach out to people who were having mental health issues, to fans, to whoever. He would get in their DMs and he would talk to them about seeing therapists. He would help people, right? But at some point, he had to worry about his own mental health. Because right. a constant barrage of social media clueless idiots, you know, constantly like trashing the guy, there's only so much anybody can take, right? Right. right. So for him, you know, it's unfortunate because he was using that as a tool to help people. I didn't and know you that. Heads have ruined that for him by being yeah. idiots and constantly, you know, you know, t- personally attacking a guy. Right? You can love both. Why not? Sure, they sure. loved each other. Laner and Flurry were great friends. They yes. got along great. Correct. You can root for both. You don't have to love one and hate the other, and that's where we're at. And I'm disgusted, frankly. Well, I am too. I didn't know that, Daniel. That's that's admirable that that he did that. I didn't know that. That was that's so nice of him that he was doing it. I was unaware of that at all. It's really sad. And listen, social media is a cesspool, and maybe I'm I'm partially responsible for that. But I'll tell you this: even though Daniel, you and I might disagree a little bit on the Flurry Leonard situation, Leonard does not suck. He is a good goaltender. He is a legitimate starting goaltender in the NHL, and this is not his fault. Any logical hockey fan, and sadly there are a lot of fans in Las Vegas that are not. This is not his fault. We agree on this. This is management. They've made bad decisions this year. And as much as they've accomplished over the last four years, miserable this year. Getting rid of Flurry and getting nothing in return. A joke. Getting rid of Gallant. Stupid decision. Getting rid of guys, fan favorites that make the game fun. You know, Daniel, you put something on Twitter. I think it was either yesterday or the day before. I don't remember which baseball team it was. But a guy hit a home run. He goes back into the dugout. You see how much fun they're having, right? And you made a good point. The Knights, they're just not having fun now. I think the people who are responsible for that are management, chemistry issues. And that has nothing to do with Ron and Letter. I know you would agree with that. Yeah, so I was, you know, in my tweet, I was the Toronto Blue Jays, actually, who are yep. you know, a young yep. team yep. having fun. They've got this home run jacket thing going on. You know, and, and you can tell that there's team chemistry there. So I guess like the point of that is this. Sometimes 
you it's like it's actually the best teams that win, win championships not necessarily the best individuals right so you think all right i'm gonna get an upgrade by getting rid of schmidt and bringing in petrangelo okay well what do you lose when you do that okay i'm gonna get rid of flurry and we're gonna upgrade a net what do you lose when you get rid of the core guys like tuck Right, You know, Schmidt, Reeves, all these guys were the fun bunch. They were literally the fun bunch. And now you've sort of replaced that golden misfit sort of vibe with a very corporate feel where nobody feels safe. Everyone feels like they're two games away from getting fired. Mm -hmm. William Carlson, Shea Theodore, they're not having their best seasons this year. I think in part because, you know, they signed here hoping that they're going to stay. But you saw what happened to Tuck. He signed a seven-year deal. Boom, get out of here. Schmidt, signed first year. You're out of here too. So there's no sense of comfort in knowing that you know you you're you're wanted and feel safe in this environment it's a little too cutthroat and i think they make mistakes mistakes by just thinking that you can just move pieces like a fantasy team right Right. with a fantasy team there's no need for chemistry you just pick the best guys but when you think of building a team what motivates these guys right what keeps them together guys like flurry right you know that was one of the biggest things guys like schmidt Mm -hmm. tuck they were all really good in the room leaders not to say that the guys they brought in aren't but it's like right. it changes the dynamic to a, uh, you know a great deal, and I think it was unnecessary. Like I get it, I'm I'm all for the team wanting to make the team better. I love that, mm-hmm. right? But you have to ask yourself at what cost, and you always have to put that in the equation. I think and think of you know these are people; it's not just numbers. Sure. Moving forward, Daniel, obviously down the stretch of the regular season right now, VGK in a dogfight when it comes to the possibility of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it seems like every other game they're playing the Vancouver Canucks, and of course it starts again tonight as they're up there in uh, British Columbia. Your thoughts on uh, what uh, Vegas is going to do here as uh, we just have a handful of games left to where they have an opportunity possibly to get to the postseason? So an interesting development. You know, Mark Stone skated, and Mark Stone is actually a game-time decision, which is big news. I think bigger news was getting back McNabb and Martinez because this team, for it to go forward, you know, Robin needs guys in front of him that are going to clear the puck, and those guys can do that. So I actually think they're in really good position right now. I think a lot of people, um, you know, make the mistake of looking at the schedule and thinking that, you know, oh, but you have a schedule against playoff teams versus, you know, L.A. Kings who have some against non-playoff teams. And when you think of the makeup of a team at this stage, right, Washington Capitals are coming to town. They're playing for nothing. They have no – the game means nothing to them. They're they're locked into where they're playing, right? So would you rather play them or would you rather play a team like Anaheim, which has a bunch of young players and some veterans who may be looking for a job next year? Often those teams that are out of the playoff picture that are, you know, they're just they're, – they're playing hard because they have reason to play. Whereas you to look at a team like Washington, I mean, they're coming to town and they're a good team, but do they need this win? Not really. So uh, I would imagine if I was the coach, I would – rest my guys like I wouldn't have Ovechkin out there for 18 20 minutes so so I think Vegas actually you know with the line the way that it looks now and we have one game in hand just two points back right so assuming we won tonight we're dead tied with with the Kings who have a very soft schedule but they lost Dowdy they lost a lot of defense so I actually think you know based on what's happened recently that uh you know we're we're going to make the playoffs. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Real Kid Poker, Danny Negreanu, VGK superfan, one of the most knowledgeable hockey hockey people that I know. So, Daniel, I always ask you this question because the odds continue to change every day. The odds on whether the Vegas Golden Knights will make the playoffs, it's pretty much a coin flip right now. Right. The yes is actually a small dog at minus 105. Uh, no, the Knights don't make the playoffs, minus 115. Is that a, You just said you, you're leaning towards the Knights making the playoffs. So you think that's a good bet, taking that at minus 105? Wow, that's crazy. Because if you look at the odds just a couple of days ago, they were it was like crazy. Yeah. It was minus two ten against. Right? right. 
Right. Yeah. You know, and, and now it's like right around 50-50. I did see a, a model that had them at like 51% to make the playoffs. I like that side. I do. I think that, you know, the Stone news is good, potentially, right? The one drawback of Stone is that if Stone comes back tonight, okay, we were going to have to put some guys away for the season. They can't come back. You know, you're talking about, well, obviously, Bosson. You're talking about Carrier. You talk about Patrick, Haig. They won't be able to play anymore this season if you bring up Stone because of, you know, the LTIR issue. Now, if Stone gets hurt, you can't bring him back either, right? So there's a little bit of a risk there, but I think it's a risk worth taking. Uh, you, you affect your depth a little bit, which they're hurt anyway, so there's no guarantee they come back. But with Stone in the lineup, I think it'll take him a few games, obviously. It makes us a lot more dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, on paper, we started this year with, like, a dynamic team. It was, like, unbelievable how it looked, you know. And, uh, you know, now we may see something a little closer to that, but I don't think everyone should expect Stone, who's had back issues, to come in first game, you know, and, and be an offensive superstar. But what he does bring to the table, though, which I think is even more important, is he's got a great stick, and he's great defensively, and that's what the, that's what this team identity was last season. Defense, defense, lock it down, keep the pucks out of the net, and we're starting to regain that identity, I think, again, ever since Martinez and McNabb came back. So, Danny, we tag you as a VGK super fan, okay, but you're a guy that grew up in Ontario, right? And obviously, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of the teams in Ontario now that is a focus. Your thoughts on the teams that could win a Stanley Cup, okay? One of those teams happens to be the Maple Leafs. And look, as someone who grew up in the Detroit area, who is a Red Wings fan, and is well aware of the history of Toronto and the Maple Leafs and, and uh, you know, the, the, fe- the, the, just the feverish fan base that is there, in southern, you know, central southern Ontario, uh, what do you think it would mean if the Toronto Maple Leafs were able to actually get it done this year with the likes of Matthews and Maurer and these guys and able to win a Stanley Cup? What would that mean, not just for the well, NHL and hockey, but for for that for that franchise? Yeah, like that would obviously be big. But there's something even smaller here on the table that they need to get past mm-hmm. the first round: Boston Bruins. Yeah, yeah. It's so much pain and heartache against this one team, and there's a decent chance they're going to play them again. In the first round, I think this Maple Leaf team made a great decision to add Mark Giordano at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Ever since Giordano has been on board, they've been dynamic. Matthews is the greatest Maple Leaf ever. He's unbelievable. He scored 51 goals in 50 games, and you know he finds many different ways to score. And the great thing about Matthews, typically you think of a goal scorer, he's a 200-foot player. Very good defensively, big, strong body, You know, does it all. So very big issue, and I know there was talk, but they did speak to Chicago about bringing Marc-Andre Fleury. That I would have loved to have seen, mm-hmm. you know, having Fleury, because yeah, sure. I do think the biggest challenge they have is they can score goals, like Florida. They can score goals in bunches. Yeah. But can they play a playoff style, yeah. you know, with Jack Campbell back there? And I don't know that they have, you know, I, I just I don't think they have the goaltending, frankly, yeah. with yeah. Mrazek as the backup. Mm-hmm. But obviously to Toronto, you know, it's it's the center of the hockey universe. Shap, Shap and, uh, and, to, and Daniel, isn't it just textbook, though, that like the, the marquee guy in the NHL is was a guy that grew up in the desert, right? I mean, a guy that grew up in the United States in the middle of, you know, a, just a barren, uh, you know, wasteland, essentially. Yeah, and true. the guy's like the marquee guy in, no, in one of the biggest markets in, in the NHL. Yeah, that's true. Daniel, yeah. I, I have to ask you this. I hate to go back to this uh, Leonard stuff, but I have to ask you, if you're playing at a poker table, say you're in the World <laughs> Series of Poker, and a guy sits down at the table and he's wearing a shirt that says, uh, Robin Leonard sucks, we deserve better, do you say anything to him? Do you just focus on your poker game? Do you, do you like? I'm just curious how you would handle that. How does Daniel Negreanu handle that if it's an emotional situation for you, which you know, which clearly it's understandable, and a guy sits right next to you wearing a shirt like that? Do you say anything to him? 
Well, I'll tell you, the first thing that I think of when I see him is like, great. I'm welcome to see him because he's definitely not a good poker player. <laughs> Intelligence level has to be sub 50. Like this guy's just an idiot, right? So I'm going to bust him. But I absolutely, what I would do, and I know it wouldn't matter because this is the thing I've seen in my Twitter feed. People come back with stats and they go, look, Laner's been good. Laner's been good. It doesn't matter to these people. No, no, Logan Thompson's the best. Logan Thompson, because he had a shutout against freaking Seattle. Okay, Seattle. Seattle's really bad, right? I love Logan Thompson. I think he should have been the backup this year. But I would probably get involved in a discussion with the guy, but I would also bust him because he's probably not very intelligent. Do, do you believe <laughs> that somebody like a Phil Helmuth could possibly one day needle you and, and wear a shirt like that? Would anybody like a Mike Mattisau or a Phil Helmuth do that to you? And have they done stuff like that to you in the past? I don't think either would do that. I mean, maybe Mike Mattisau, but Phil Helmuth is so focused on him. Right? Like, we play a game. It's not, I'm not even lying. We go to dinner, me and Antonio with Phil. We play a game where we clock how long before Phil makes this conversation about him. Right? <laughs> no, for real. I can you totally can see that, about, too. Totally. You could be yeah. talking about, like, Federer winning something. Or, you know, you could be talking about, like, oh, charity work done in uh, Zimbabwe. And he'll be like, as a matter of fact, you know, I raised a lot of money for cheer. So we play this game, and then we need each other under the table to settle. Because we're like, yep, yep, two minutes. And it doesn't usually take that long. Daniel, I'm not going to lie to you. We do, we do the same thing with Shapiro when we have Shapiro out, too. He's not, he's not afraid to I, I do end, that. Up, end up talk, making yeah. the conversation by himself. I, I, hey, you can compare me to Phil Helmuth. He has a lot more money than I have, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Daniel, listen, I'm sorry there. you have to run into some of these idiots at VGK Games. We could all have great debates and conversations. Uh, anybody who has any IQ over 20 knows that Robin Leonard does not suck, and he's a good guy, and he's a good goaltender. And uh, to me, sadly, there are, like you said, there are some idiots out there. Uh, I didn't know that Robin uh, went on social media to help people. I think that is so admirable, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm sorry that he had to take uh, go off of Twitter uh, because of that. And that's why I feel like uh, some people should be censored on Twitter. I guess that would be my last question for you. You know, you're a real smart guy. What do you make of these people that go on social media, uh, like a Donald Trump, for example, and they lose their Twitter accounts and they say, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. I say it's not about freedom of speech. That pertains to the government, not a private business. What do you what do you feel about that? Yeah, so it's obviously a slippery slope. You know, there's rumors of Elon Musk possibly doing a hostile takeover of Twitter, you know, and because he's obviously very, you know, pro free speech, which I think we all are, right? Which is great. However, you also have a right in your own private home. So if I own a little restaurant and you come in and you curse and you say free speech and you say F this, F that, I'm like, okay, free speech, but also freedom of choice to have you leave my restaurant, right? Right. So Twitter is a private business, as you said. They have rules. They have guidelines on what you can and can't say. If enough people believe that you're breaking those rules, you don't have a right to Twitter, right? You just don't, you know, and I get it. I'm all for free speech in every possible way, but I also respect people's right and companies' right to enforce rules. And I wish they did a better job, frankly, because they don't. Mary Marjorie Taylor, psycho green. <laughs> yeah. How is yeah. he still like, how, I mean, you can't just call everybody a pedophile. Like yeah. that's not, that used to not be okay. Yeah. Just be pedophile. pedophile used to be a really bad word, but she calls everybody a pedophile that doesn't agree with her. So get rid of that one. What the hell? I agree with Black you. Girl. 
150%. For the record, Chris is not a pedophile. He's not a Democrat. Yet, no. Yeah, no, he's not. not. Daniel, it's always a pleasure having you on, my friend. By the way, uh, Chris, you said he looked like so a, Dan- an actor. So, Daniel, I'm liking this look. You got this like pre-gym kind of Walking Dead slash Breaking Bad look going on right now with the tank top action. I got. I was fortunate enough to uh, get a chance to meet uh, both Aaron Paul and uh, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad last weekend. They were in town for uh, promoting their mezcal. You got, a, you got a little uh, Jesse Pinkman going on right now with the look. I, like <laughs> I met him, too. He's a good dude. I actually, yeah. the beard is my wife. She likes the, you know, lean kind of thing here with the, with the thing. The, the, the tank top, I just got out of the gym, so... Yeah. You know, we're getting the World Series of Poker Shape now. Well, uh, understandable. So, Daniel, I always appreciate it when you take the time to come on, my friend. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we don't have any of these idiots uh, at some of these VGK games wearing these stupid shirts. But if they do, we need to... While Robin Lehner keeps posting shutouts and, you know, playing great games. That's Whatever. true. Well, you know what? I'm rooting for Robin, and now I'm rooting for him more than ever. After what you told me, going on social media, trying to help people with issues mentally, I, I think that's so admirable. Daniel, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and uh, sharing your knowledge, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thank Thanks, you so Daniel. much. Daniel. Yeah. A good one, guys. All right, you too. That is a real kid poker himself, Daniel DeGrano. Always a great interview. I, the thing I love about Daniel is, you know, you can talk to him about anything. Yeah. He'll talk about anything. He'll answer anything. He's very honest, very open, and uh, pretty darn good poker player, too. Pretty good poker player, Chris. He's made. He's, he's won some tournaments. He has some skills, Brian. Let's put <laughs> yeah, it that way. Yeah. He's, he's, he can yeah. absolutely hold his own, to Well, say i got to tell you something. I'm going to tell you, Chris. I didn't know uh, that Robin went on social media, Robin Leonard, yeah. to help people with, with some of the issues that he's faced. And after hearing that from Daniel, because I know they're, they're friends, that is so admirable. And it's so sad that people attack him. Why? Why? Because, listen, I'm one of those people. I know we only have a minute here. I'm one of those people that I thought Flurry should have been the guy. And I'm not sure Leonard's the right guy. To As am I. I'm the, in the but same that, boat. But it doesn't mean he sucks. He doesn't suck. Why do people have to go to extremes, Brian, right? Why do you have to go to the, oh, the guy is horrible and he sucks, you know, and then other people are going to, well, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. You know, why yeah. can't he be? Why can't there be a happy medium, right, where the, guy, where the guy is just a solid, stable, number one goaltender, which I believe he is? Yeah, he yeah. is. And, yeah. and uh, you know, he's a good goaltender. He's a legitimate starting goaltender in the NHL. Uh, fans have a right to wear a shirt like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying what they're doing was against the law or anything. It wasn't a swear or anything, you know, obscene. It's just stupid. Right, you can do stupid things and and say stupid things that are not against the law, but it's stupid. Now you would expect that maybe from uh, somebody on the road, a fan on the road, yeah. right? But at a, a, a Vegas Golden Knights fan wearing something like that, I wish I could have seen Danny Negreanu's uh, face and the audio of him swearing at that fan. That would have been great. But a quick note, <laughs> I'll push back a little bit. Look, if the guy wouldn't have said anything right and he was just wearing the shirt, okay, you're just a moron, and yeah. that's your, your that's a horrible take right. that he sucks. But you're, you're not going to k- get kicked out of the arena for that. Right. But once you start speaking up and then you start yeah. being an idiot, that's yeah. when it when uh, it gets to the point where you mentioned yesterday where it crosses the line, in yeah. my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. And the fact you went up to this fan goes up to Daniel and says something like that. It's like yeah. just hey dumbbell, just just go about your way, have your opinions and shut up. So I'm glad Daniel spoke up on that, and uh, I I'm glad he's a loyal guy and he's standing up for his friend Robin Lander because it's wrong. Chris, I do appreciate you being here, my friend. Thank you so Good much. Good times as always, Brian. Thanks for having this me. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Check me out on Twitter, Pushing Limits LV. We stream all of our stuff live on Facebook and Twitter. Check me out on Facebook as well. And thanks, of course. 
to the to the dream team here. Uh, I have to thank Rick and Justin. They're doing a fantastic job and 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 doing our stream. It's awesome. Uh, also, my thanks to Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams, for joining us as well. Uh, that's a wrap, folks. We'll do it again tomorrow, same time, same place. Everybody have a great evening, and we'll see you tomorrow at noon.